Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Check out their Instagram for any news and to see what in-house fresh baked goods they're making in the kitchen. In today's podcast, we're going to take a look at this week's top stories and we're going to start in our local schools. Hundreds of school administrators, school board members, and parents, among others across the state, have recently called for an end to the school mask mandate. Last Sunday, they got the news they've been waiting for. Governor Kathy Hochul announced plans to end the state mask requirement in schools as of this past Wednesday, March 2nd. According to the governor's office, the decision was made based on the analysis of several key COVID-19 data trends and after consulting with health and education experts, as well as parents, teachers, and school administrators. The announcement also follows recent changes in metrics used by the CDC to determine risk and transmission levels in communities. The governor's office also noted that other mitigation measures should remain in place. She further stated that amongst large states, New York has the highest rate of adults fully vaccinated against COVID-19, the highest rate of teenagers fully vaccinated against COVID-19, and the second highest rate of children ages 5 through 11 fully vaccinated. New York State has also experienced a 98% decline in COVID-19 cases since the Omicron peak and a continuous downward trend in cases for 51 consecutive days. Sullivan Bosey's superintendent slash CEO, Dr. Robert DeFore, recently wrote a letter to the state on behalf of all the county school districts requesting the clear and concise guidance as well as a defined timeline be given for the proposed end to the mask mandate. DeFore also inquired about how an end to the mask mandates in school will affect contact tracing, TTS, and the weekly testing of unvaccinated employees. The letter said, quote, removing the requirement for masks inevitably negates the need for these testing mandates as we'll be moving from a contained environment to a communal risk level. Furthermore, DeFore told the Democrat earlier this week after the governor's decision that Sullivan Boses will make masks optional as of March 2nd. Furthermore, he said, since we are all assuming an equal communal risk of COVID, we call on Governor Hochul and Commissioner Mary Bassett to immediately lift all remaining COVID mandates which impact our schools. As the Democrat reported earlier this month, by a 7-2 vote, the Sullivan West School Board agreed to send Governor Hochul and the State Education Department a letter recommending the immediate end of the mask mandate and allowing schools to operate in a mask-optional environment. Dr. Kathleen Bressler, Sullivan West Interim Superintendent of Schools, reacting to the end of the mandate, told the Democrat that as planned, when the mask mandate is lifted, Sullivan West will transition to that mask-optional school environment. She said, quote, we are truly grateful for the lifting of the mandate and that our Board of Education and Community Support helped us prepare for the mask mandate lifting on Wednesday. It is a personal decision for us all, and it is important that we continue to respect the choices of our students, families, staff, teachers, and administration to continue to mask or not. We look forward to continued patience and kindness as we ensure those with medical needs are supported at this time. Shifting gears to the town of Bethel, representatives from Yasker Road Productions appeared before the Bethel Town Board last month as council members approved an amended noise permit for the 2022 season. Founded by Gerald Abramson and the late Roy Howard on the site of Max Yasker's homestead, Yasker Road Productions has for many years hosted an annual Woodstock reunion as well as other concerts and weekend events. As the Democrat reported back in August, a number of residents who live on Puggy Huddle Road and nearby areas had complained about the level of noise from some concerts and asked the board to review the noise permit process. Bethel Supervisor Dan Sturm said, quote, We took a lot into consideration, including the public comments, the complaints, other local venues and their noise permits, and the needs of the business. We do need to support this business in our town and make sure they can prosper and compete with certain guidelines. 
Sturm said doing that and minimizing negative impacts to neighbors is a delicate balance. He said they've adjusted the times for this year's noise permit, as well as added additional enforcement mechanisms. The permit includes Yasker Road Productions' commitment to reduce the base of some of their performances. The permit would encompass some weekends between Memorial Day until Columbus Day, and hours would be limited from 2 p.m. until midnight on Friday and Saturday nights. Previously, the town board's noise permit had allowed until 2 a.m. Among other provisions, the noise permit stipulates that speakers must be turned towards the interior of the property and base shall be reduced, quote, so as not to cause unreasonable impact upon neighboring parcels. Speaking to the public, Abramson said they've taken the noise issues very seriously as they've met with their sound engineers. She said, quote, I've now written into every contract, you bother my neighbors and I will pull the plug immediately. I'm not here to disturb people, I'm your neighbor. As previously reported, Abramson said they're trying to do more with their own production, as sometimes outside groups didn't follow Yasker Road Productions' own rules. Abramson told the Democrat that some mistakes were made last year as they didn't realize how far the sound was traveling from their property. She said, quote, When we did become aware of it, we immediately stopped the music last year. I think everybody is in favor of business, but business has to be in favor of the town as well. We're all on the same page. We want to live together in happy harmony. Over in Rock Hill, during a recent Town of Thompson planning board meeting, it was announced that the Hammaspick Resort project had changed its operational plans. The site has been operating as a private hotel since the location was purchased in 2021 by the New York State Hammaspick Association. The hotel will again be open to the public from Monday to Wednesday only. From Thursday to Sunday, the hotel will return to being a private hotel that will be used for Hammaspec affiliate agencies and, quote, its entities for weekend retreats. Furthermore, the applicants state that the resort will not be available to any guests during July and August as it will be converted into an overnight sleepaway camp for Hammaspec. According to the operation plan, the camp will cater to individuals who are, quote, diagnosed with autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, behavior disorders, brain injury, and will have the opportunity to enjoy a summer camp catered to their needs. Additionally, the planning board rescinded their request to the Thompson Zoning Board of Appeals to review its use of the hotel. Previously, the applicant said the ZBA did not need to interpret the use of the hotel since it has been operating as a private hotel since the purchase. And since the visit to the ZBA, the applicant changed the operation plan to include guests outside of Hammaspick. For the full story, visit scdemocratonline.com. Shifting to some of today's paper's top stories, local ag businesses and poultry owners are on high alert as cases of the highly pathogenic avian influenza have been reported statewide. Cornell Cooperative Extension Sullivan County agriculture educator Michelle Prosha reports that two laboratory-confirmed cases of HPAI one in a pheasant flock in Dutchess County and one in a backyard flock in Ulster County were identified in New York State on February 25th. These followed the case identified in a backyard flock in Suffolk County on February 19th. These flocks have been euthanized to help control the spread of the virus. Prosha told the Democrat, quote, while these are only three cases, it is anticipated that there will be many more. The states with wild bird positives, 250 cases, now include New Hampshire, Connecticut, Delaware, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and Kentucky. Cases will increase across the Northeast as wild waterfowl migrate northward in the coming months. Commercial flocks in Delaware, Indiana, and Kentucky have been affected, as have backyard flocks in Virginia, Maine, New York, and Michigan. 
While the disease is circulating in wild and domestic bird populations, she said there is no need to panic, but there is need to be on high alert and that poultry owners should be prepared to report any disease in their flock that looks suspicious. HPAI lives in the respiratory and or intestinal tract of birds. It can be picked up from contact with infected feces, surfaces, or through the air, though aerial transmission from farm to farm is unlikely. It can be transported in infected feed, clothing, or equipment. It can also be spread through wild bird populations encountering domestic birds and other living creatures, such as rodents and insects. Once on the farm, the disease is readily passed from bird to bird, infecting an entire flock quickly. For the entire story, as well as reaction from local businesses, check out today's front page. In other news, local law enforcement agencies are conducting an investigation into the discovery of a body near Cold Springs Road in the town of Liberty. According to Village of Liberty Police Chief Stephen Nagata, the body of a deceased female was found in the early morning hours of Wednesday, March 2nd in the town cemetery off Cold Springs Road. The identity and age of the woman, as well as the cause of death or circumstances surrounding her discovery, could not be determined as of press time on Thursday. Chief Degata told the Democrat, quote, We cannot release any further details pending notification of next of kin and the conclusion of the investigation. The Liberty Fire Department responded to a structure fire at the Ocean Surf Motel at 960 Parksville Road in Parksville just before 8.30 p.m. on Monday. According to Liberty Fire Department First Assistant Chief Mark Johnstone, responders arrived at the scene to find smoke and flames emanating from two rooms of the motel, which had spread through the floors and into the ceilings. He said, quote, it's pretty far towards the end of our district, so it takes us a little bit to get there. Still, firefighters were able to effectively attack the blaze, tearing through some of the ceiling to provide ventilation. Johnstone said the cause of the fire remains under investigation, but it could have started from one of the motel's AC slash heater units. One firefighter suffered a minor burn to his leg and was treated at the scene. Additional departments that responded to the fire include White Sulphur Springs, Roscoe Rockland, and Swan Lake, as well as the Thompson and Bethel Fast teams. The Loch Sheldrake and Calicoon Center Fire Departments were placed on standby. Also assisting at the scene were Mobile Medic EMS and the New York State Police. Johnstone said the fire, quote, caused extensive damage to the center of the building and was later condemned by code enforcement. Seventeen people who were displaced by the fire were transported to the Liberty Fire Station and provided assistance by the American Red Cross. Members of the Liberty Police Department later provided transportation for displaced persons to the Knights Inn. That does it for this week's Sullivan County Democrat Podcast Weekly News Review. Once again, this podcast was brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. We look forward to checking back in with you all next week with the latest news.